Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears, etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. Good to be back with you, everybody. Another edition of Bears, etc. with Bears guard Tom Thayer, the Super Bowl winning version. I'm Jeff Joniak, and welcome into episode 33 of the Bears, etc. podcast. We're with you every Tuesday and Thursday of the regular season. Uh, Tom, how you feeling after a little uh, weekend off? Sort of. Sort of. We still had TV work. Still had football to watch. Uh, are you impressed with the Detroit Lions? I am. I am. You know, um, I'm a little nervous. <clears throat> I think they're a good football team. Um, they really captured the personality of their head coach. And... Um, I think that uh, Dan Campbell is the most similar personality head coach to a young Mike Ditka that I've seen in the NFL since Mike Ditka. Yeah, you keep saying that. The only difference I see, I, 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 I see what you mean for sure, the intensity, uh, but the emotion, it's a different kind of emotion. Like, you know, unless I see the, the Lions, uh, you know, just – blow out a flat tire and go and get beat 30 to nothing. If he starts ranting at the microphone, then I'm going to say, yep, he's the coach part two. But, you know, he's emotional, you know, like uh, all kinds of emotions, tears and everything. (laughs) So is Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka would cry during a pregame speech. Um, On his introductory press conference after George Hallis hired him, he kind of told you what type of personality he was looking for, what he was looking for in a player. The first team meeting he had with his group of guys, he said, I got some good news and bad news is we're going to win the Super Bowl, but a lot of you guys aren't going to be here. You know, I mean, they both played tight end. They both have extreme passion for the game, and they want their players to be a lot like them. I think so. What, that's what I see yeah. in them. Uh, what you'll hear from Matt Eberflus, our weekly conversation with the coach, he, he hits upon the fact that they are a well coached football team across the board. And there are a lot of ex NFL players on that staff. And I think that's um, a bit of a, a departure from what's been happening in the league. There are a lot of uh, coaches that never played at the NFL level that are still good football coaches, but came through the college ranks or just worked their way up and, uh, you know, from different aspects of, of football. But it's really intriguing when you see a lot of ex-players manning those position jobs. Right. You know, that's the same thing with Mike Ditka. You're not going to ask the players to do something you haven't already done. Preseason, off-season preparation, the types of conditioning the, and the, um, the paces that are going to put you through in practice – the mental requirements of studying your job. And then if they challenge you to do your job better or do something they've already done, they know the players know that these guys have already done it. And I'm not saying you have to be an ex player to be a great coach, but you know, they have an understanding of what's required of you from uh, in terms of from the standpoint of the position they're coaching. For all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been on your team from the beginning. The one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. 
So week 10, uh, a lot of one-score games, and that's been the case 70% of the games this season. Uh, that's insane. Arizona, Cleveland, Detroit, Houston, Seattle, all with game-winning field goals with no time left. First time ever in NFL history in one week. Now, when you I, think I about that, this game is 103 years old, 104 years old, and, and this is this is now new territory? These games, I mean, wow. It's just It blows my mind a little bit. It does be, but you know, you, it, the NFL is almost you expect the unexpected, and then you when you do um, learn something new about the NFL, and that you kind of go through um, the rolodex in your mind of the experience that you have, and you go, "Oh my gosh, you know, we we just saw something for the first time." And it's kind of funny because there's that score that you and Pat McCaskey twenty eight twelve Bears twenty eight twelve twenty eight twelve Bears that's never happened never before. Happened. And just think, Jeff, when that score actually happens, and I, I think that it's a, you know, a lesson to the people out there that pay attention to football, and 28-12, it's a score that's never happened. And um, someday it's going to happen. Yeah, well, I hope. And he, his view is Bears score a touchdown one, one quarter, and uh, they give up a field goal every quarter, and it's a 28-12 Bears win. When they had the Halloween party up here for the families and the kids, uh, he had drawings on his on his wall outside his office with twenty eight twelve in the middle. <laughs> he's, he's ups, he said it almost happened this season, and he was he's he's counting on it. He's counting on it. Pat McCaskey is counting on twenty eight twelve. But it's got to be a, a Bears win. He's a historian of the game, and we are talking a couple weeks ago before we were getting ready to load up the charter to take off, and we are talking about that score. And I and I find it super interesting that it's never happened. Then you talk about what happened this past weekend in the NFL, and um, we happen to be able to watch a lot of those games. And so don't be don't be surprised if you see something that's never happened. So. This has rarely happened. Joshua Dobbs at Minnesota, these two games, 268 yards and a touchdown, 44 on the ground and a touchdown. So in his two games, no interceptions, 110 yards on the ground and 426 yards passing. First player in NFL history with at least 400 in the air, 100 on the ground, and no interceptions in his first two games with a team. I mean, what? what <laughs> how do you process this? Well, I, I'm super surprised that Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the NFL, and he's not a part of this. So if Joshua Dobbs was more challenging to downfield passing when you have a receiver like Justin Jefferson, would this still have occurred? Or is he super cautious with the ball? He throws a lot of passes to the tight end, which are obvious um, shorter type routes. And then when you're talented with your feet and you don't know the offense that well and you have a tendency to run the ball a little bit more than some of the quarterbacks are a little bit more experienced in their system, Joshua Dobbs is doing exactly what um, the coaching staff needs of him and wants of him when you have to play because of a quarterback, a couple quarterbacks that have been injured in front of him. But he's playing a, a, a really solid brand of football. We're taping this here on Monday. Uh, 17 years ago today, Tommy, you know where we're at? I do not. Glendale, Arizona, you know what happened? Crown their asses? Yeah. I thought who they thought. <laughs> yeah, Denny Green getting mad at the press for crowning the Chicago Bears as a, as a good football team. We let them off the hook game. We let him off yes. the hook game. That was playing in the in the locker room after the game. The players are getting a huge kick out of it. But 
Down 23-3 in the final seconds of the third quarter, and Mark Anderson strip sack of Matt Leinart, who's now of TV fame in the college basketball, college football world. Mike Brown scoop and score, then Charles Tillman scoop and score, then Devin Hester 82-yard punt return uh, with the punter to beat, and then in the final minute, um, it was uh, a field goal, no good. And I didn't realize this from watching the replay because it's all over Twitter. So I always knew Charles Tillman played on one of the edges on field goal block. Take a guess who was on the other side. I do not recall this. It was Hester. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. So do, Hester came flying that. in. Charles came flying in, and then the kick just kind of zipped away, and uh, the Bears get a win. That was something else that made them 6-0 and on their way to a Super Bowl that many people feel they should have won. What I remember about that game is how well Matt Liner played. First half. I did not think that he was going to play as well as he did. You know, he's a lefty, kind of a slow delivery. Uh, the passes, you know, they didn't travel. They weren't lengthy types of passes. They were just quick out of his hand type of throws. And I, I that surprised me most. And it kind of surprised me and frustrated me all at yeah, the same time. I, I, I remember we were shot. We thought maybe this is going to be a layup. And he, he just... He was in rhythm, and he tore him apart in the first half. Anyway, that was a fun game. And, and with that being said, happy birthday today to Double Nickel, Lance Briggs. Oh, happy birthday, Big Lance. That's exactly We'll have right. to give him a belated happy birthday um, in the during the pregame show this, this weekend. We shall. Bears fans, you can be there for live NFL action all season long as the official ticket marketplace for the Bears and the NFL. Ticketmaster has a wide selection of tickets available for every game. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Bears. Uh, the Detroit Lions, the opponent coming up next. Let's find out the status at Hallis with head coach Matt Eberflus. Welcome back to Bears Etc. Bears head coach Matt Eberflus fresh off his weekend. Uh, tell me you did something fun. And relaxing at some point, please. Uh, yeah, self scout. That was that was fun and relaxing to me, <laughs> and it was uh, very important that you do that. You yes, know? it is. But um, I'm talking something with the family. Oh yeah. Did you take the bride out to dinner? Yeah. Well, we took uh, a bunch of walks, which okay. was great. Yeah. So uh, over the weekend, we took probably three walks. It was really really nice and nice. enjoyable to have to sit and have conversation and and uh, to relax. And it was a beautiful weekend too. Yeah, certainly was. But hey, football is in all of us that cover this game and you have been employed in it forever, played it. So yeah, you're never getting away from football. So what'd you learn? Yeah. You know, so you go through the self-scout and really uh, we do it a couple of different ways. You know, we're really self-scouting our individual players um, and how they can improve on their techniques, you know, uh, within our scheme. And because that's wins football games when you play with good technique and fundamentals. And that's what we always preach, and we're always going to preach that. And uh, the player, the players got with their coaches today, uh, worked on two things in the run, two things in the pass in terms of their, their run-pass technique um, at every position, and they'll continue to do that. Our individual periods today were, were geared towards that, those guys working on those uh, things they need to improve on, and that, that's an important piece of it. You know, and then schematically, it's important to look at yourself. You know, so we took the last six games um, and looked at those, looked at our tendencies and we're looking to break tendencies based on what our looks are like and, and what we've done in the past. And again, we're always looking at that week to week and but we just take a longer look of it, you know, just what other teams are looking at and seeing uh, in our schemes. I'm curious about that. Not never being a coach. Uh, I do enjoy watching tape, but do you automatically when you're going through those six games as a staff or by yourself, are, are things popping up like, Oh yeah, we, we gotta, we gotta change that look. I mean, that you don't even realize when you're 
you're so submerged in planning every week. Yeah, it's 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 one you know what's working you know number one what's what do we need to improve on you know and then you know for what's working you know of course do that but of course it's always about you know in the offense and defense it's always about playing off your looks that you've given so far you know so you know an offensive of play might change but the look changes you know same thing with a defensive call you know it it might look like this but then we're gonna change it to look like that so. Um, that's always part of disguise. It's part part of calling a good offense, you know, to be able to keep your same core concepts, but also change the looks of it. You know, you talked about the players also getting a few things to work on, and this happened the previous uh, short bye week with Washington. It'll happen again at the at the big bye week coming up in December. And as you track players, do you find that most of the time they have improved that aspect of things? And it doesn't mean another problem doesn't crop up in their play, yeah. but do you see a graph if you were graphing it? You see positive. Yeah, I mean, if you look at you look at our roster, okay, um, you know, it's a, it's a young group. You know, there's a young group of players in there, and you look at the development, the growth and development, and this is what the coach's job is. If you look at, uh, you know, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, uh, Stevenson, um, you look at Tevin Jenkins, uh, you look at uh, T. Scott, you look at all the young players, uh, Tyson Bajan, all the guys that were developing and the growth that they have uh, during these first two years with us. Sample. Sanborn. I mean, you just go, you know, you name them, keep naming them, you know. Uh, Jalen Johnson's gotten better. Everybody's improved um, in their fundamentals, in their techniques. You know, even DJ, you know, DJ is an accomplished player, but he's improving his technique and fundamentals. So our job as coaches is to develop everybody on our roster um, because we never know when somebody's going to be called to play and make a big impact in the game. Um, due to injury or just you know due to his opportunity, so uh, we're always doing that, and that's a big part of it is, is the fundamental development of each guy. Oh, and four seems like a long time ago, and it is in football world. Three and three though looks very nice and a new platform to jump off of here. Uh, underneath that umbrella of wins and losses, I know you mentioned a few things today about third down being improved. What are some other deep dive nuggets you can give us about where you're seeing major? Yeah, I mean, you know, so if you look at the identity of our football team, it's our style, first of all. You know, the ability to run the ball and give us good uh, distances on second and third down um, is very important, you know, for us. And, you know, we rank in the top, you know, five in, in both categories in terms of rush average, you know, you know, offense and defense, you know. And then you get yourself into those third down situations. You know, we're in the top ten also in the last six games in, in third down uh, conversion and stopping third down. So, those are the two things that we pointed to in the team meeting. Those are those are obviously very important to us going forward. And then also the turnover margin. You know, the turnover margin in those three victories, you know, was plus five. You know, so we had zero turnovers in those three wins, and we were plus five in the turnover margin. So that's a winning formula, um, you know, in any any level of football. We talked on tendencies as a team. How about individual tendencies when they show up on tape? Whether a pass rusher has he's going to the same move, or an offensive lineman is, you know. I, I, what's your message about tendencies individually from every aspect of their game and preparation? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to you know him partnering with his with his coach. You know, his coach is in charge of really deep diving into that for the individual guy, and that takes a lot of time. You know, they have to look at all the individual reps. You know, with all the one on one pass rushes, all the one on one covers. You know, if I'm if I'm John Hoke or Travis or I'm Morgan, you know, you know this is this is my technique. This is when I do really good in pass pro when I when I set this way. You know, and I do a really good job in this type of protection when I know where my help is. And and that's where I'm effective. And, it's again, it takes a lot of time for those guys to be able to do that, but it's worth it. Do you ever get guys to say, listen, you know, I know you're telling me to do it this way, but I'm comfortable doing it 
this way, and it's still in the framework of what you're asking for. Absolutely. Allow you know, that absolutely. latitude? Yes, absolutely. Certainly for a more experienced, accomplished guy. Uh, if a young guy is just starting to feel his way as a rookie or a second-year guy, you know, certainly we'll, you know, have a conversation with him, you know, and work with him that way. But, you know, if it's an accomplished guy, you know, that's, that's done it a certain way for a long time. Um, you know, obviously we're going to listen to him, but we're also going to give feedback for what we think is right. Wednesday injury report will come out. We'll learn more about what the what the plan is, but uh, it sounds like tracking in the right direction with Justin. Fields. Yeah, yes, it is tracking in the right direction. Again, we'll make an update on Wednesday, uh, but the progress looks good. What do you love about your running game right now? You know, the you know obviously getting Herbert back is going to be uh, you know an added uh, you know punch, which is going to be really good. But Foreman's done a really good job of getting downhill, getting north. And, you know, Evans has is, is really came in and did a really good job for us, you know, getting capturing the perimeter, having those good cutback runs, you know, it'd be an available option in the pass game. You know, and then Roe, having Roe come back, you know, he's been a specialty back for us. But more than that, he's also, also carried the rock for us on first and second down. So, you know, those three guys bring different things to the table. But like I said, Herbert getting her, him back is going to be really cool. Uh, Cole Komet uh, has arguably been one of your best players and expanding his game. Sometimes it's just blocking. Sometimes it's catching the football and he's getting increased targets and so forth. How impressed have you been with his development? Yeah, it's been really good. I mean, you know, you take a guy that's, uh, you know, really improved every single week, you know, especially in the last six. You know, he's a big part of of the success that we've had. And uh, like I said last time, his leadership is off the charts. And his toughness is on display every single week, and people feed off of that. You know, we gain energy from his, from his modeling of behavior, um, you know, his toughness, you know, his finish, um, the way he blocks on the perimeter, um, you know, the way he handles himself as a pro um, every single week, every day in the building. So um, can't say enough good things about Cole. You know, the physicality of both him – uh, you know, the, the running backs, but also DJ Moore after the catch. I mean, those are tough guys to bring down. And I, you know, I read a quote from Darnell Wright specifically about Deontay Foreman. It, and it was basically, if he's going to play that way, then I owe it to him to play, play that way. So that's what you're talking about there, the connective tissue of watching physicality. It just it just does something to that sideline and that team. When you, Brisker's big hit, his helmet came off. Mm-hmm. Kyler Gordon getting behind the line of scrimmage and being as physical as he is as a nickelback, uh, those things reverberate, don't they? Yeah, we do a, a thing every week that we, you know, it's appreciate your teammate, you know, and that's we do. We talk about that later in the week, and we talk about our style, and we show plays just like that, the finish plays, the hitting plays, the physical style that we play, um, guys doing things unselfishly to help their, their, their team succeed, you know, blocking on the backside, hustling on the backside, you know, you know, saving a you know, game-winning touchdown, which, you know, we've had that before, and guys, you know, saving big plays on the backside. But um, we certainly do that. Appreciate your teammate every single week. There's a chance this week you might be the healthiest you've been overall all year. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there, there is a chance. we got a lot of guys coming back, and we're excited for those guys' opportunities. Um, and, again, uh, I commend a lot of the guys that have stepped up in their absence. You know, they've done a really nice job. All right, next up, the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, you do it one week at a time, but it's a four-game stretch plus the bye week in between. It's pretty you know, substantial uh, talent going to be facing you uh, this uh, coming month. Uh, first of all, uh, this is a team that has not had winning in their background since gosh knows when, so they're enjoying it up there in Detroit. What are you walking into here against these Lions? Yeah, it's just a well-coached team. You know, they they play really good complimentary football. Um, they've had a really good, uh, done a really good job in the front office of adding the talent. Um, you know, guys that are really good football players um, in the last couple of drafts. 
um, having the the uh, the first rounders they have on the on the offensive line over the, accumulating those guys over the years, and they're gelling, you know, as a group, you know, offense, defense, and kicking, and uh, and the record shows that. And uh, it's going to be a big challenge for us, and we're going to have to play complimentary football. We're going to have to play our style. Two top five rushing offenses, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that chess match uh, occurs. But also, you know, that offensive line, uh, two, two weeks in a row, 200-plus yards rushing, I believe, for the Lions. H- how impressed are you with what you see on their offensive line? Yeah, just like I said, well, Coach, you know, uh, you know, Hank does a really good job coaching those guys. Uh, I think Hank Fraley. Yep, that's right. He does. He's been in the league. He's he's been a, you know obviously a player for a long time, and he's a, he's a really good coach. And uh, you know, he's done a good job of, of really scheming up those those teams that he's played. And you know, they've popped some big runs, and that's why they've had all those yards is because they've popped some big runs, had some explosive plays in the run game. And the, the receivers like to block like your guy. I think it's going to be one of the more physical games of the year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a like a landmark statement, but the division is always like that, I guess. Uh, just a quick snap look at what happened yesterday. Five finishes on a game-winning kick. It's the first time in NFL history it's happened with five in one week. But it underscores again how every stinking snap matters because all these 70% of the games this year have been one-score games. It's, it's tracking towards a record. Uh, and you would think football's always been that. And maybe it has, but it just seems like more and more every year the games it's one score. Mm-hmm. And and is that message always important to just hammer home to your players every yeah, it's, single? It's game. always about the finish, right? I mean, you look at our game. You know, we had to finish that game off. You yeah. know, in defensively and offensively, you got to play complimentary football down the stretch. And and you certainly saw that yesterday mm-hmm. in the Lions Chargers game. You know, the the finish matters, and it's important that we practice that way and and have that mindset. You know, I gave you the win after the game winning. Excuse me. I gave you the win after the 59-yard miss. I jumped the gun. I forgot. I didn't. I wasn't. You know, my game management was awful. <laughs> I didn't factor in enough seconds on the clock, so I had to sweat out that last third and seven. That yeah. was unbelievable. But uh, we didn't get the chance to talk about that because it's way in the. But that that play right there, catch and finish. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was a really good, really good play call by Luke. Um, you know, and really good route by Mooney. You know, yeah. and the courage that he took to come back in there and take that shot. And then the, the delivery by Bajan, you know, really nice uh, throw, really nice delivery. And, uh, you know, we had it all set up, and uh, the guys executed well. Have fun with your prep this week. All Thank right, you. Man. Thank you. All right, Tommy, talked a lot about, uh, again, using this time to self-scout, going back five and six games. And I, I really tried to drill down on what he's looking for. And it's it's every, it's mostly fundamentals and techniques, but giving guys – you know, things to work on, and, and we all have things to work on, and that's the simple part of it. Uh, the, the harder part is the actual execution of it and beating your man because they're doing they're trying to get better too. So, But, you know, you started 0-4, now you're 3-3, three and three, and that looks different. It feels different. And now you're going into arguably the toughest stretch of the season. You got Detroit, Minnesota Monday night, bye week, Detroit again, Cleveland. So those are very interesting matchups, all four right there. And, you know, I kind of – and with the likely return, I can't say for sure for certain, but the likely return, I would think, of Justin Fields if he makes it through practice this week. We'll find out more on Wednesday in that process. But getting players back, Khalil Herbert, as you mentioned, could be coming back. I'm sure uh, Tremaine Edmonds is close to coming back. So they could be the healthiest they've been all year. And a lot of decisions to be made wow. at multiple b- b- positions. We'll get into that with you in a second. But, you know, given what they've gone through, and, and as well as the defense is playing, stopping the run, playing well on third down, getting healthier, T.J. Edwards is playing outstanding. Sanborn's playing outstanding. 
Kyler Gordon playing outstanding. You know, what are we looking at here? We got Montez Sweat now helping out the pass rush. What do you, is this four-game stretch a tell-all? Well, it, the division carries a different emotion than games outside the division. They've only played two division games so far. It was super disappointing for me when they got beat by the Green Bay Packers week one of the season. And, you know, I I didn't know what to think about the, the Minnesota Vikings game um, when they came here. But now the kind of the second half of the season and the interdivisional play is a whole different monster because when you start the season, there's always the ability to catch up and get back in the division. Right now they're 0 and 2 in the division. And like I said, what they're going to face in Detroit is going to be a whole different emotional type football game. And you talk about the possible return of Justin Fields, decisions they have to make at other uh, positions on the, on the, the team. The football team, the Bears are playing a better brand of football. So can they go out there and compete in the division and equal the emotions of their opponent? And that will tell you a lot about where the Bears are going to go in this next four-game stretch. Because if they go out there and they have a hard time playing an organized brand of football in a really difficult atmosphere in Detroit, um, then I think it's just going to continue question marks from the outside. What's the dynamic of playing a team twice in what what essentially will be four weeks because of the bye, but actually three games? You're going to play Detroit there this week and home here in a couple of weeks. What's the dynamic involved in that? And, you know, does one game – set the tone for the other or vice versa because, you know, playing a team that close, you know, you get especially I believe this is going to be arguably the most physical game of the year. If the Bears are ready to play, they're going to be as equally physical because that's who they want to be. And we know the Lions absolutely will be feeding off their home crowd, a division game. They're in the driver's seat in the division. They can't stumble right now. This is, you know, from their, for their perspective, this is, you know, this is a winnable game, right? You're going home to Ford Field after an L.A. trip that they squeezed out and won dramatically. This is a this is a very interesting game here. How would you as a player think about twice in three weeks? All right, so identification of physical. It's running the ball and being able to stop the run. And then the pass game at all, you know, has a role in the game. But it pass game is not physical. Running game is physical. So if the Bears can go out there and impose their will from a running game standpoint and kind of control the room, then they're going to have a better chance at beating the Detroit Lions. And if they go out there defensively and they play a real physical brand of defense and they can slow down the running game of the Detroit Lions, especially with the emotions that David Montgomery is going to carry along with them, um, I, I think that's how the Bears set it up for themselves to win this football game. And, you know, you got DJ Moore, you got Amon St. Brown, you have uh, Justin Fields, you have Jared Goff. Two completely different styles of quarterback play. But from what we saw in the Washington Commanders game between Justin and DJ Moore, they could go on the road and have another one of those games, passing games that have an enormous impact on the Bears. But to me, it's going to be how the Bears run the ball against their physical brand of defense 
and how the Bears' defense plays against their physical running game. They're definitely better stopping the run. They're third at that. Passing game they've had some issues with. Uh, 25th in sacks per pass play. They're bemoaning the fact that Aiden Hutchinson is about it in the pass rush. They're looking for somebody else to step up in that regard. But I can't get past their offensive line and the way their receivers block in the run game, much like the Bears want from their receivers. It's a similar mindset, but uh, that offensive line is is really good, and their offense right now is top six in about nine categories, all the all the important ones for sure. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Then so all those complimentary things you say about the Detroit Lions and what they've been able to do, put those same compliments along with the Chicago Bears. And now they have four running backs that you can bring along with you. And if you, Luke Getzey, the play caller, if he's determined to call runs that – kind of take a toll on the opponent early in the game so they can open up for better runs in the latter part of the game. They have the ability to do that. They can be physical with Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright. They can be physical however they're going to have the line is going to be constructed going into Detroit. Um, So that's what I'm saying. you got to match them physical for physical. And when you need a big play, whether it's a, a running ability of Justin Fields or a big plat- pass to DJ or Darnell or Cole Komet, and he adds a physical element to this offense as well when you want to throw him the ball, I think you got to go in there. It's like a heavyweight fight. And yeah. It's it, that it's gotta be. It's gotta go. I mean, who can land the bigger? You know body blows to take a toll on your opponent. The interesting thing is that the Lions back-to-back 200-plus rushing games, and they've had big runs. Obviously, the Montgomery 70-plus. Jameer Gibbs is quick as a hiccup, and he's gone. Uh, and the Bears have put up some really good uh, rushing numbers. They're 4-5 and five in the league in rushing. Detroit moved ahead of the Bears after what they did yesterday. Could this be a, a, a clock management game, time of possession? Who's got the, who's got the ball longer that leads to scores to wins the game? If they both decide that the running games are, are where they're going to try to hang their hat, the the Bears have to be organized with the tempo of their snap count at the line of scrimmage. You, like you always say, clean games. You got to play a clean game. That's what the Bears have to do on offense. If they get behind the sticks and it's first and 15, first and 20, because there's unnecessary penalties on the offense, it's going to be tough to be able to stay with the discipline of the running game. If they go out there and they have that discipline running game, running the edges, running on the interior, taking, trying to take a running toll against Hutchinson, then yeah, the bears can do everything that Detroit's capable of. And, you know, in the, you think about playing Detroit the last couple of years outside of a guy like Darnell Mooney, you know, this is the first time they're going in, to, in here with a bona fide number one receiver that you like to see how they match up against the group of guys the bears have. Take a chance. Download the Bet Rivers app today. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer on the Bears Etc. podcast. Uh, uh, back and forth here on this. Uh, I know you're begrudgingly willing in, in my past history with you to give compliments to <laughs> some of the players in our division. Uh, are you of the mindset that that offensive line in Detroit has got your attention? Yeah, uh, yeah. They're, they're a good they're group good. of guys. They are. You know, um, Sewell, the the offensive tackle, he's done a nice job of developing. Yeah, the first year I wasn't super complimentary to him because I don't know if he was really playing a, a dedicated NFL physical brand of football, but now he is. 
I think he's um, more active in his role. I think uh, Dan Campbell provides a good challenge to he as a developing offensive lineman in Ragnow and the other guys they have in this football team. Um, yeah, I like their offensive line. I, I think I think they're a good group of guys. And um, I think they're really fortunate. You know, you got a healthy Decker and stuff that this is a group now what that's been together for three or four yeah. years. Probably and most so of any, any have, anyone in the division. I mean, Green Bay's had so many injuries, you can't put them in that category. Right. Uh, but pretty close. Right. So they, this is a group of guys that have been together for a while, and I think they can uh, do everything equally as well. They're good pass blockers and they're physical run blockers. Um, but, you know, when you look at the Bears and you have eight rotating defensive linemen, you got to be able to rotate those guys with such frequency that you play with a fresh group of guys up front. And I think the Bears' defensive line can complement the, the linebackers for the Bears. Chargers did not get to the quarterback. They did not get to... Uh, the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff, he says he was not touched. Now they got it. They said in the stat sheet there were a couple pressures, but he, in his mind, said he did not. So with him in his past, when he was with the Rams, muddy pockets bothered him. I think he's really grown to understand the game at a different level with Detroit, and is not seemingly bothered by that as much. And he has done really. You got to give the guy credit. A lot of people just completely dismissed him after that trade. They were like. We got Jared Goff, and he'll be a bridge to somebody else, and that did not happen. That but did not he, happen. He also he's not blessed with great escapability. Yeah, yeah. If they provide a pocket, and you don't interfere with the pocket at all. Yeah, then Jared Goff is going to go unhassled like this past week. So that means that you got to get creative with your line stunts on the inside. Like that sack by Justin Jones last week. Outstanding. That is not a play that that center wanted to go in there and watch in front of his teammates. It would be a play that would keep me up all night. <laughs> and I, I would be nervous watching that in front of Ditka or Dick Stanfeld, the offensive line coach. So when, a, when an uh, offensive line gets ready to play an opponent and they know what they're dealing with on the edge, but they also kneel with the know what they could be dealing with on the inside then there's concerns raised there so typically we would save all this discussion for the thursday podcast but i'm so excited about this game because i know the environment is going to be one of those fun ones it is it's going to be that way as you've been laying it out, laying it out for weeks about the environment and that kind of hypes me up as an announcer you know i'm ready i'm ready for a playoff type atmosphere and hopefully the Bears play and bring everything they've got for that game. So we'll break it down even finer when Tom gets through all the tape, and we'll do that on Thursday as well. All right, so I mentioned about positions. Obviously, the interior three of the offensive line of the Bears. If Nate Davis is ready to come back, there will be dominoes. How do you think they fall? What would you suggest in terms of that? Well, I'm not taking Tevin Jenkins out of the lineup. That's one thing for sure. And he's already played left guard, so he can play that position. And if Nate Davis is healthy and I can look him in the eyes and he tells me he's committed and he's ready to go, and I'm going to be suspicious of that because Nate hasn't played a lot of football for the Bears so far, and I'm a little worried about that. But if Nate convinces me he's ready to go four quarters indoor football where it's going to be warm and then – Unfortunately, I may go with with the two with with Nate and Tevin at the offensive guard position, and then um, probably allow Lucas Patrick to continue to play center if uh, Justin is more comfortable 
with the center quarterback exchange with him. Um, and then, you know, obviously Braxton and Darnell are going to be my offensive tackles. Listen, you know, they could do an offensive guard rotation yeah, they could. as well. You know, they, they could play all three guys to make sure they're fresh. Um, I would never shy away from playing Cody, but the one thing I know is Tevin's going to play the whole game for me. And, um, uh, you know, and, and if Nate, I don't know if Nate is as comfortable in a left-handed stance as he is in a right-handed stance. And I have to make, allow these guys to play in their comfort zone. And so I have to make that a judgment of that Wednesday, Thursday. Obviously the huge topic at Hallis on Monday was where is Justin at? And he, Matt Eberflus was asked at the podium a number of different ways. They're trying to squeeze the answers out, and uh, it's not going to happen. As you get ready for an opponent and let the process play out Wednesday, we're going to find out what the injury report says and what Justin's able to do. But the good news is they think he's in a good spot. So they only did individual today. There's no teamwork. There's no, you know, so we'll see where it's at. It's been a month. So my thinking is it's it's probably going to be in that direction. That's my guess anyway with Justin. Jeff, listen, if I was a head coach, I would make a statement and I would say, don't ask me a question about it. And then I'll let you know on Wednesday. Because at nauseum, you sit there and you watch that press conference and you think of these different fancy reworded of the same question type. It, 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 it tires me. So if, if I was a head coach and – someone wanted to repeat the same question, I would, I would ignore them and I would pull the old, uh, agent thing. Next question, <laughs> you know, and it's just, um, I, it, it frustrates me even to look at it from this side of it. So, you know, the, you don't have to say anything about the injury situation till Wednesday. And that's when your next answer will come after I make a statement about the player. All right. Uh, this is kind of putting on the spot. I'm going to throw myself into the same mix because I hadn't really thought about it. Because if they spent a couple days this weekend doing some fun things with their family or their kids, and uh, most of it, though, spent on working on the tape and watching things all over again, are there three things that pop in your head right away that will improve the Bears starting next Sunday in Detroit? It, does, it could be any of the three phases. And, and I'll just kick it off and start it, you know. Number one for me would be to continue to elevate targets to DJ Moore and Cole Komet and keep pounding the ball. Elevate that number. Keep finding your skill, whether it be if it's Tyson Bajan this week or Justin Fields. Keep using them to your best advantage because of the bounce it'll give Darnell Mooney. They're going to pay a lot of attention to those guys then. Then Darnell, it should continue to open up opportunities for Darnell Mooney. And I feel he's in, in his, the best spot he's been in since the injury a year ago. Would you agree? 100%. And we've talked about it before. I think Darnell Mooney is the most creative runner of the ball, the, the most creative runner on the football team with the ball in his hands. And I uh, listen, man, I have all, do, all the respect in the world for DJ. I love the toughness of Cole Komet. But creativity on his feet, Darnell Mooney, I think, is the best the Bears have. My number one is tackling. Is I need I need on the spot tackling. I don't I know that I like team defense and I I respect the caliber of athlete there is in the NFL, 
but yards after contact, yards after catch. If there's a more immediacy to the first contact, you're going to make it more difficult for your opponent. And then with, if there's an immediacy to the initial tackle, that means you're playing a more physical brand of football. All right, my number two is on special teams because the way these games are all going down, you, you can't you, – I really need a clean game on special teams. Can't have penalty, and they haven't had a lot of penalties on special teams, but you can't have any special teams miscues whatsoever, uh, especially in that environment. It'll just set them up shop, and they're going to go to work and, and hurt you. So special teams, clear it up 100%. You can't give up an, a punt return of 79 yards for a touchdown. you got to be super sound on special teams. There's a lot of experience on their special teams unit. It's a young team, but there's experienced guys on there. And I want to see that really be underscored here. Right now, the Bears are also 32nd in net punt. So they got to get a better job done. You know, obviously it was already 31, and now the punt return made it, you know, worse at 32. So you got to to improve that aspect. When you need a banger punt, you got to get a banger punt. You're you're dealing with a lot of captain crazies on the special teams too, (laughs) whether they're on your side or the opponent. So you got to get ready. My number two would be I'm assuming Justin's going to play. So that's why I'm saying this. It would be snaps from directly under center out of an I formation with aggressive play action passing. If you want to go into a really loud environment like Detroit, if you want to put your offensive line in the most aggressive position repeatedly as you possibly can, it's going to be an I formation backfield quarterback directly under center and then the intersection of runs and play action fake are guys are going to be on the move. And that means if I have a running play, the running back is going to approach me. I'm not going to take shotgun snaps at a, a offense, a running back that's in a standstill position next to me. And then he's going to have to create his momentum. I'm going to have play action directly under center. eye formation for the aggressiveness of my, my offense. Can I do one more as an offense, though? Uh, yeah. I, I brought this up to you. First down passing. Ty, Tyson Bajant was sacked one time in his games on first down. Justin, nine times in similar snaps or similar passing attempts. Those are no no better than a first down penalty that sets you back. You don't want to be behind the chains on the road against that lively environment. So that, that would be one, reduce your first down sacks. And that's a multitude of reasons. Uh, it's it's quarterback. It's also the offensive line, obviously, and everybody else. But that that would be my third. How about you? Okay, okay. I'll I'm going to piggyback on that. First down passing in the first game of the year. Justin had 11 completions to the running back in the first game of the year, and then it drops off significantly every game after that. So if you want first down passing, yes, you got to include Cole Komet and DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney in those targets. But you also have to have reliable uh, check down receivers, and that is the running back position. So if you combined all that first down passing and you eliminated the sacks, the way you eliminate the sacks is being able to identify your outlet receiver. And a lot of time that is the running back to the tight end. So if Justin could go and pick up the amount of throws to the outlet receiver, he will decrease the chances of sacks. Good news, Chicago United Airlines is getting brand new planes with all the bells and whistles like Bluetooth connectivity, screens at every seat and room for everyone's roller bag. United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears and you too. And we're brought to you by PNC, official bank 
of the Bears. Our remaining moments here on Bears, etc. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, a uh, couple of nuggets, Tom. Uh, as you may or may not be aware, uh, the National Football League has a Fan of the Year award, and each team has a nominee. And the Bears nominee this year, released uh, late last week, Shamika Leach. Uh, this is to celebrate exceptional fans who inspire others through their passion for football. And so automatically gets a trip to the Super Bowl. So that's pretty cool in Vegas for Shamika. And has the chance to be the ultimate fan of the year, which means a a Hall of Fame appearance. Uh, But she's very involved in the uh, Bears team initiatives and her community. She volunteers at Bears huddle events, monthly community service volunteer activities, and is a Bears watch party regular. So we're on the road. They have these watch parties, Tom. And uh, she comes to training camp every year as well. So congratulations to Shamik. I, I love that they're involving this uh, because there are some very, very loyal fans that really get into it. Oh, listen. So I, I've always wanted to talk about this. So my mailman, every single home game, they have a tailgate that's about a mile away from the stadium. They go every Sunday huh. and they set up and they have a, a on the spot watch party. They don't have tickets to go into the game. Wow. But they have a gathering of this same group of people every single home game Sunday. Now, this is my mailman walks eight to 10 miles a day delivering mail. But every Sunday of our home games, even Thursday night, they go and they have a gathering together. And so whether you're Shamika and you get to represent the Chicago Bears in such a huge way, there's some unbelievable fans that, you know, they need to be credited and highlighted in their own. Yeah, there's nothing like a true blue football fan. Nothing like right. it. Uh, Steinhoffels is an employee-owned furniture and mattress store. Visit any of their four Chicagoland locations in Vernon Hills, Crystal Lake, Donner's Grove, and Harwood Heights, or shop online at steinhoffels.com. Lastly, this just came out today, the NFL and the Federation Francois de Football Americaine, FFFA, announcing a collaboration to launch the first-ever youth NFL flag football in France. Tom, it's a grassroots campaign here, and it's spreading all over the world. Flag football is becoming something, something important. Oh, I know. It, it is. I Listen, I have a group of family that I know in Canada, and they have co-ed flag football there. And one of the young ladies I know that plays it is one of the best football receivers I've ever seen. And I see highlights of her all the time, and I, I love it. That's how I started playing football at St. Raymond's grade school. Flag football? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, played Pop Warner and flag football. Now, that's and news my, to me. A buddy that I played with, his older brother was our coach, and he had all these special plays designed. Our main play was called the Potato Smasher. <laughs> and <laughs> Can you we, describe it? Um, It was... It was kind of like a running tush push. So we had a big quarterback. We had all the guys that lined up in the center, and we we pushed our way through, and we kind of hid our ball carrier quarterback inside the group of the group that we are pushing with until they were able to get his flag. And so short yardage plays. We always use the potato smasher. Well, uh, in high school, not big enough to play or fast <laughs> enough to play. We would meet at Blewett Park in Mount Prospect, and we play certainly no, tackle football, no pads. We just killed each other and hope we got out alive, and that was always a lot of fun. Looked forward to it every single day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I went to my nephew's, the um, 
when we had a Monday night game or we had a game off on a Sunday, um, I went to my nephews play flag football for St. Raymond's grade school and it was fun to see all the kids. It's co-ed and all the kids out there. And congratulations, Julia Catholic, moving on to uh, the next yes. round again. Uh, big, big, big perm- yep, big. Who they got? Providence. Oh, that's a backyard Providence. battle. They played earlier this season. It'll be at Joliet Memorial Stadium. Unfortunately, we'll be on a plane going to Detroit. It's 2 o'clock on Saturday. Um, the head coach of Providence, I played with his dad at Notre Dame. And so there's, uh, it's going to be a great game. There's going to be a great crowd. And Carmel High School, where our good buddy Jason McKee, our sideline reporter on the Bears Radio Network, uh, they had their hopes extinguished by Nazareth, I guess, in a really good game. But uh, great job by all those guys uh, coaching, Rasheed Davis, Olin Krutz, Adam Hogue uh, from CHGO as a special teams coach, and, of course, J-Mac, the head coach. Yeah. They'll be bigger and better next year. That's why I think I, I think uh, Jason has got real passion for it, along with Olin and uh, Rashid and the rest of his coaching staffs and all the high school coaching staffs yeah. around the state of Illinois. I, I have so much admiration for the time and the dedication they put in. All right, Tom, we'll talk to you on Thursday on the next version of the Bears Etc. podcast. For Tom there, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks for listening. We'll bring it to you, and you can subscribe now on the Chicago Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody.